Hi guys, it's Jill, and welcome back and or to the Jet Real Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Treese, and this week's episode, um, I kind of just, I don't really know what it's going to be about, but I kind of just decided that I wanted to talk about some things that are going on, including me starting to ride my horse again, which is brazy. Um, you know, some of the other horses that we have out here, um, some of the things that have been going on and uh, what we've been doing about them, and the potential of a new bean. So keep on listening and let's talk about it. Okay, as always, before I jump into the content, we gotta do ads, but before we do ads, I just wanna say that I'm annoying myself because every single time I record one of these, I do the intro, and then I have to pause and go to my iTunes library and grab the song and put it into GarageBand, and since I just, I don't know why, I just never feel like doing it before or after I record an episode, or like you know, during the entire week that I have before I record an episode to, um, like, cut the song up so I can just drag and drop and be done with it. But no, I have the entire song, and now it's gotten to the point where I've memorized what the wavelengths look like to know where to cut. <laughs> like, because I, I just, I'm lazy about things like that. Like, why not just make my life easier, make things more efficient? But no, I have to make it difficult. So I'm frustrating myself because this is, I believe, episode eight that I'm on. And I've done that every single time. And also, every single time I listen to every single song on my iTunes library on my computer, and I'm like, should I change it to this or this or this? And I'm like, no. And I always, always settle on no it's, it's always nice if you, like, know the theme song, so, like, just keep it. And that's my story. Irrelevant, but now you know. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back. Okay. Oops. Did I bump the table? Okay. Um, it's a very crappy TJ Maxx table, so it's very rapidly. Um... But, oh my goodness, my kitty's been so cute. Okay, also, this is probably the first episode of the season that my cats have been sleepy during an episode, so I'm not foreseeing any running and jumping and loud sounds, but I could be wrong. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, anyway, I want to talk about some things that have been going on. And I'm going to start with, obviously, the most important thing, is Zoe. Um, so... Just a little bit of a backstory, because I'm not sure if everybody is on the same page, but if you're not, and I get confused with the timeline myself, like, I had, hadn't realized how long it had been since I'd, like, actually, like, 
ridden her like for real like like for real you know um so uh i think in 2018 that july zoe collect like the tail end of july going into august she collect and um i'm pretty sure and then she stayed at the little vet center for two weeks um after her surgery and then she came back and i moved in here and then she i think had like three months off pretty sure she was on stall rest for two months and then limited turnout for a month and then could go i'm not really exactly sure but that sounds right um so during that time is when i started positive reinforcement training all groundwork no force etc etc um many other podcast episodes about that particularly in the equine in theory era the season one of this podcast um so there was that and um yeah, that's, that's sort of what we started doing. And then when she was good to go, um, I was going to start working on riding with her again. Um, but then she went lame and then, um, the like, <laughs> like, I think, uh, she, cause she got a little chubby. So I think she like started to found her a little bit in her hand foot, or she might've had like a minor abscess or something that never blew. But regardless, she was off for a little bit. And then the week that she was like good to go and I had plans to ride her, she got kicked and, um, then was out for like three more months. <laughs> so, um, actually it might've been a little bit longer than that. That was a really long time. It took forever to heal cause it like got infected, blah, blah, blah. You get the point. Um, so that was around November of 2018, I believe. Yes. I want to say, I want to say yes. Um, okay. So anyway, then I had all of 2019 that I just like didn't ride her. I would like get on her occasionally and, um, you know, just like hack her around in her field. Um, or like if I needed pictures for a brand or something, I would just like sit on her. Um, yeah. And every time I tried to like do a, like a for a real ride, it did not go very well. So I was like, okay, well, clearly riding is not a thing that's going to happen without um, stress. Like, obviously, I could get on her and I could, um, you know, use a lot of pressure on her mouth, get her into a frame. And if she gets rushy, I could um, just do like, you know, typical half haul. If she doesn't listen, I could get a little harsher. But the, the problem is I don't want to do that because that is the thing that's stressing her out. So then it becomes this awful perpetual cycle and I'm gonna be 110% honest with you broskies I don't really know what the solution to this issue is um and that's that's just me being an honest honest bird but I do have lots of potential answers I have spoken to many uh a person that has done this before and I have my own ideas and I am hesitant to share them with you because I do not want anybody to say, um, I'm going to do what Jill is doing because I do not know if it is going to work. <laughs> um, but essentially, my plan is to restart the Zobird. Um, originally, my plan was to um, restart her completely from the ground. And uh, that still may be the best option. Um, I don't know. Or I might do half and half. Um, I was going to do all positive reinforcement starting from the ground reteaching every single cue with successive approximations, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would rather not have to do that if possible. Like, um, for instance, cues to turn left and right, like rain cues, um, don't particularly bother her. So I'm like, 
I'm going to leave those. If she's not pinning her ear, swishing her tail, showing any like, you know, blaring her nostril, scrunching her face or making a like weird eye, you know, if none of that is happening, then, um, I'm going to say she's okay with it. (laughs) Um, but, um, there are other things that like me putting my leg on in certain ways earns a tail swish or an ear back. And, um, so things like that, I know I'm like, okay, that's not gonna work. We're gonna have to, I'm gonna have to change that. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm sort of just leaving the things alone that don't bother her and, uh, adjusting the things that do bother her, um, an attempt to sort of like, um, attach an, an, a better association to them. Um, so I don't know. It's so hard to articulate, um, well without being confusing because like I am using negative reinforcement again. Like, um, when I'm riding, I will like open my left rein. And when she turns, I stop opening and I relax the rein. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to explain. Um, but I also am not really particularly interested in being a horse trainer, um, and, like, trying to coach people over the internet anymore. I think that that was a huge thing that really got me burnt out, um, over the past year was when I was trying to figure out positive reinforcement. I was so hung up in trying to explain everything that I was doing and trying to teach everybody how to do it and argue this and argue that, and, um, a big thing that I have realized is everybody has a truth. Um, you know, there are endless different truths in every facet of life. Um, some people are more led by religion. Some people are more led by science. Some people are more ruled by planets and some people are more ruled by aliens. What have you, you know, everybody's got a different thing that they're living by. And I feel like in the horse world, it's similar. (laughs) Obviously, I don't think anybody's like, my horse is an alien. Um, but I do think that there are, um, you could throw a rock in a room of horse trainers and not a single one believes the same thing. Um, I think there's like a saying that like you put three trainers in a room and, um, the only way you'll get two to agree is by pointing out what one is doing wrong, if that makes sense. Um, I'm sure there's a more eloquent way to say that, but I have not found it. Um, anyway, so I think that there's a positive reinforcement way to do it. There's a negative reinforcement way to do it. There's a mixing way to do it. There's a more heavily influenced positive reinforcement way to do it with a hint of mixing. And that's what I'm trying to do, um, which is sticking more towards the Lima approach, like the least intrusive, minimally aversive. So um, there's like, um, I don't know, there's some discussion over the humane hierarchy, but I'm not totally up to date on all of the, you know, semantics of the whole thing. But like, essentially you start with the, the least intrusive, minimally aversive quadrant of offering conditioning. So like positive, um, reinforcement, and then you work your way up to positive punishment. Um, ideally I would never go that far. Um, unless like emergency situation can't be avoided, have to, but ideally in training, we avoid those situations by preventing them and having a training. So that's what I'm trying to do is work through positive reinforcement and um, use negative reinforcement when it's necessary, but avoid it if I can, um, as much as I can to accomplish my goals. And I know that the word necessary may be a little bit operative because, like, is writing necessary? No, 
do I want to do it? Yes. So I'm going to. So, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. It, it, there's so many different peoples out there. There's so many different opinions. There's so many different things, but this is what I'm doing with Zoe. And, um, in a year's time, it may prove to not be the right answer either. And then I'll look for a new one. But if there's one thing that I always have always been diligent about and, um, you know, the, like, the horse industry is trying new things and being open-minded and trying it all the way and seeing if it's something that I agree with and believe in instead of just being like, no, that's not it, you know? So, I mean, I've done traditional, did natural horsemanship. I did, um, the Pirelli version of natural horsemanship there for a while. Um, and I've done, uh, now positive reinforcement and positive reinforcement is the one that resonates with me the most. It's the one I hold closest to my heart. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the one that I think is the best. So, um, I want to use that one and, um, make it work for me, you know, if that makes sense. I'm being very vague, but I'm tired of over explaining. So let's move on from that. And, um, so what I'm doing with Zoe, how these rides have gone. So I'm going to be real honest with everybody now because I have not shared it anywhere else. Um, because I did not want to deal with, um, the repercussions potentially, um, and you know what? I've realized that that's okay. You can just choose. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, I will accept blame where it is due, but I'm not going to put myself in intentionally uncomfortable situations, but I trust the podcast audience. So, um, I'm going to tell you guys sh- secret. Don't tell anybody. Um, so the first ride, um, actually resulted in me having to call my buddy Kane. I was like, dude, <laughs> help. I'm so upset. Um, and they are Meyer Horsemanship on Instagram, M-E-Y-E-R Horsemanship. Um, I want to get them on the podcast very soon, um, to talk about riding and training with, um, positive reinforcement based approach. Really want to talk about that, them on the podcast. I think you guys would really enjoy that. Um, so I'm gonna try to make that happen soon. But, um, anyway, I tacked up Zoe. Everything was going great, got her out, she was good, and, um, I've been getting her out and getting her used to going to the cross ties, and, um, so I got her tacked up, and, um, one of the first things that I noticed was that, um, because I, I normally put a bareback pad on first, and I've done this several times, I've tacked her up in the cross ties, and, um, I put, I usually put the bareback pad on first and do up the girth, and then she's fine, then I switch to the saddle. This time, I was like, we've done this hundreds of times. She's fine with the girth. We've had like six months of her not pinning her ears once at the girth. So let's try this without the, you know, the bareback pad. So I put the saddle on her back and she pinned her ears. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? (laughs) I was like, no, don't do that. And so I took it off and then I put it back on. She did the same thing. And I was like, okay, new plan. So I took the saddle off and I went and got the bareback pad. And I know I'm going to pause my story here because I know for some people that's, it's going to come off as like, wow, this is, this is extra. You know, every time your horse says they don't like something, you're just going to stop and like, like downgrade. And, um, like I get it. That's not the approach for everyone, but, um, pushing through and forcing is not the answer for Zoe. Um, ignoring the ear pinning and the, I said no, um, leads to more stress, anxiety. It gives her ulcers. It makes her not enjoy 
riding and stuff like that. I can't speak for every horse, but um, I don't want my horse to pin her ears at the mere, like, happenstance of a saddle being put on her back. Um, so I want to make it a positive experience. I don't want to force her through it. I want her to realize that it's okay and we can do this. And so, um, resuming story, I put the bareback pad on her. No, no reaction. So, and I'm treating her through all of this, um, just to like, kind of just like free treating as I'm, uh, you know, putting the bareback pad on, doing up the girth, all of that. I'm just like feeding her the whole time. Um, you know, of my, I, it's not exactly like clicking for a behavior, but more so like just creating that association between, um, having a girth done up and food. Like it's a good thing. This is calm, chill. We're good. Everything's fine. You're getting treats for just standing here. And, um, she also used to be super wiggly in the cross ties. So, um, yeah, it's, that's helped a lot. It's just rewarding her for standing still and just hanging out. So, um, I, I, that's, this is why I need Kane on the podcast because we just talked about this the other day and they made such a good point about, um, like everybody wants, like you have to reward the moving behaviors or the smiling or the Spanish walk or like all of these different behaviors, but you can't forget the balance in having to, um, make standing still a behavior because if your horse is like thinking that they need to move every time they see you, they need to start offering behaviors. Um, you're going to run into a problem. So make standing a behavior. You have to reward them for that. Because if the horse is just chilling in the cross ties and, um, you know, they don't know that's what you want and they start offering behaviors, they're going to get frustrated because you want them to stand still, but they don't know (laughs) that they'll get rewarded for that because they never have in the past, if that makes sense. So um, why not make that the behavior you want, Um, you know, I think a lot, uh, and I've said this before, that a lot of um, traditional horsemanship is just um, leaving the horse alone when they're doing the right thing. (laughs) Like, um, we only really hone in and pay attention to um, what's going wrong. And I think that that's um, also largely due to society. We um, are very problem-solving, fix-it society. So we're just like, you know, if, if there's an issue, fix it. But if it's not you know, broken, you don't need to pay attention to it, go fix something that is. So if the horse is standing still, it's fine, leave it alone. Instead of reinforcing that and saying, yes, that's exactly what I want you to do. So like, um, I don't know, that always came up when um, I was like in leading a horse. Like if you're walking them from the pasture to the arena and they keep stopping for grass, um, you're only going to correct them when they're diving their heads down for grass. But when they're walking next to you like you'd like them to, they're not getting anything out of it. So, you know, cost-benefit analysis here. Some of them would rather risk you jerking on their mouth for the bite of grass, um, depending on the context. But that's derailing and making my point as to why it's important to reward your horse for standing, even if you just give them scratches, if you don't want to use treats. Um, it just makes standing and being good boys and girls a very good thing. Um, resuming story once again. Hi. Don't know if you've caught on. Little ADHD. Little tangenty. That's what we do on this podcast. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you can keep up. <laughs> um, so strap on your pay attention helmets because I'm all over the place. Um, anyway. Now I'm thinking about how ironic it is that I said pay attention helmets when ADHD is literally, um, the, a deficit in being able to pay attention. It's fine. Um, so saddling her, I 
did the bareback pad, did up the girth, and rewarding her the whole time. She's totally fine. She's, like, hanging out, looking around, um, keeping an eye on me, like, waiting for the next treat. Um, so, but without turning her head around or biting at me, because we don't do that in this house. Um, <laughs> and so I took the bareback pad off, and I put the saddle pad on, and I treated her for it. And then I grabbed the saddle, and I just, like, held it, and then I gave her a treat, and I moved a little closer to her, and I gave her a treat, and I moved closer to her again, I gave her a treat. And then I lifted it up, and I gave her a treat, and I lifted it up, and I gave her a treat, and I lifted it up, and I put it down, and I gave her a treat. And, um, pausing story again, because I want to make a point here. Um, one thing that I did learn from the Alexander Curlin clinic that I attended, um, that I, I really liked that she said was, um, you know, horses that are trained with negative reinforcement, like when you're tacking them up, well, I don't want to say negative reinforcement, but... Usually when you, when you tack up a horse and, um, you're not trying to like actively counter condition something with positive reinforcement, like usually when people tack up horses, they just put a saddle on and girth it up. End of story. That's why we tie them so they can't turn around and bite us. Right. So, um, but that horse only gets one experience that whole time with putting, um, having a saddle put on. But a horse that's trained in successive approximations with positive reinforcement, they're getting the saddle moved towards them three, four times or 20 times, depending on how long it takes. Um, you know, you're, they're getting tacked up, untacked, tacked up, untacked. So those horses get really good at knowing that um, it's a good thing. And um, for, you know, more behaviors, they get really good at like, knowing how to do the behavior because they're having so many repetitions, whereas traditionally it's usually just one or two, if two. Um, so anyway, resuming story, put saddle on and she's good. I pick up the girth and I give her a treat and I jingle it, give her a treat. And it all sounds like I'm like pausing, but I'm, I'm actually pretty quick about it. So it's like not an inconvenience. Um, it maybe takes me five minutes longer to tack her up than any other horse but that's usually just because I put polos and boots on her and the other horses I rarely put boots on because lazy and we hardly ever do anything and I also haven't ridden in a year so it's fine um but um yes pony clubbers please attack me I'm ready for it um but Zoe I um I do all of that so I uh go to do up the girth and before I like reach under her and grab it I just kind of like scratch her belly, give her a treat, scratch her belly a little more, give her a treat, scratch her belly and put a little pressure there and then give her a treat and then, um, then gradually work up to doing up the girth. And she had zero reaction whatsoever. Um, and I was like, okay, good. This is the horse I knew. Um, and I, um, my working hypothesis is that if she had ulcers or there was real pain, um, and not just remembered pain, it would be, um that reaction would have been consistent no matter what I did because I wasn't like clicking her for ears forward or anything. I was just like carefully watching her expression and, um, rewarding her, um, you know, the whole time that she's just hanging out. And, um, so that's what we did. And, um, also I want to make note that if you're going to start doing something like this, um, I would teach your horse the basic rules of clicker training first, just so you don't end up with a cookie monster. Cause Zoe could not be more polite about treats. Um, 
So I don't know how familiar my listeners are with positive reinforcement, but you should listen to the first season of this podcast if you are interested in doing it. Um, But teaching them how to behave around treats is um, also like the rewarding the good behaviors thing that I mentioned earlier. Um, You know, we punish them for being in our space or whatever, but you never tell them that they're good for being out of it. So that's essentially how you teach a horse um, to behave around treats, behave the way that you want them to. Because horses don't come knowing how to interact with humans. We have to teach them. Everything that they do is because it's been reinforced. So you have to pay attention to what you're reinforcing and be um, deliberate about it. So if you want your horse to ask for a treat by moving his head away from you, teach him how to do that. Duh. And that's not how the horse works at all. It's just like, oh, he's in your space? Deck him. (laughs) So uh, anyway... Um, with Zoe, I got her all tacked up and blah, blah, blah. And, um, then I went to, um, I went to do her bridal and actually before that I I did her polos. And I remember when I first started, um, or when I was working with her traditionally, she'd always pick her legs up in the middle of them and dance sideways about halfway through. So, um, I could feel it coming when I was wrapping her polos and I was like, if I can just get it done before she picks her leg up, then I'll click and treat her. And I know better than that as a clicker trainer. Um, she picked her leg up, but she didn't move. So the second it like was on the ground for a second, I gave her a treat and then she stood and she has not done that since. <laughs> like just needed that little bit of like, I just need all four on the floor. I'm not asking for you to pick your foot up or move. Um, so then when I went to bridle her, I don't know, I guess my, like, old brain switched back on, and, um, like, I put the reins over her head, I took the halter off, and, um, I just was kind of, like, holding her head, trying to put the bridle on, and she started walking off, and, um, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, (laughs) I hate that when they do that, um, and so I just kind of, like, you know, jimmied it on her face, and then, uh, gave her a treat, and, um, I'm getting ahead here, but spoiler alert, the next couple of sessions, I remembered that I have a clicker trained horse and that instead of doing that, I can just like take the halter off and not touch her and hold out the, cause I ride her in a hackamore now. Um, and if you would like to see the pieces that I used to have created this hackamore, you can look at jetdeckwithyuri.com slash favorite dash products to find all of the pieces that I used to create my bridle. Um, anyway, I hold the noseband open like you would a halter and she just stuck her nose in and I pulled it over her ears and she stood politely. She does not take kindly to like me trying to force things on her. <laughs> like if I just ask her, she's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. So, um, learned my lesson on that one. And, um, anyway, so back to the first ride, I walk her to the arena and she's like, obviously a little fresh. It's been a long time since we went out there and I know. I flooded. I did a lot all at once. I probably could have just, like, if I was a diligent, positive reinforcement trainer, could have just tacked her up, walked her down there, and walked right back, untacked her, and turned her out. But that's not what I wanted to do, so that's not what I did. I pushed for more. Um, you'd think I would have learned my lesson with that, because um, the one more time thing, or the just one second longer, because I ended up breaking my nose on that. I did this, like, really big jump. I was like 14. I was really proud of it. And um, me and my friend asked our trainer to do it one more time. And I fell off and broke my nose. So (laughs) you'd think I would have learned my lesson, but I did not. Um, So anyway, I take her to the arena. She's a little fresh. And I get on her. And um, 
I brought my camera with me. I was recording just in case I wanted to post it, um, which I'm not going to, so leave me alone. Um, and I brought her over to the mounting block and, um, you know, I was trying to treat her the whole time, but I had alfalfa pellets and, um, they're just not that salient to her, like in a situation where there's a lot going on. There are horses running around and the wind's blowing. It's a nice sunny day. Like it was just, it was kind of a recipe for his disaster. Oops, I'm stupid. (laughs) Um, but so I just, I didn't even think to like bring a higher value reinforcer because I'm, I just, I just, it's been a long time since I've been in a situation like that. So I just didn't think about it. Um, and now I know sometimes we have to learn the hard way. Um, but I got on her and I rode her and, um, I just, I, all I want to do is walk for like the next couple months until we get like really good leg yields and her moving off my leg and my equitation and communication down with her, um, to where we both understand that leg does not mean forward. And I also like situate my body correctly on her because, um, she is by far like, I, I'm not even saying it because I'm like, "Eh, my horse is different. She's so special. Like, but like, I've never sat on a horse that's that sensitive in my entire life. Like asking her for a leg yield is a difference in like, me sitting evenly in the saddle and me like putting slightly more weight in one seat bone than the other. I have to look that direction. Like everything has to be absolutely correct for her to, um, move over, you know, (laughs) otherwise like she's lagging her hind end behind or her front end is faster. That's the same thing. (laughs) Um, or like she just, it's, it's just, you know, you have to do it correctly on Zoe. She doesn't give you anything. She's like, you're either going to do it correctly or we're not going to do it at all. So, um, anyway, that's what we're dealing with. And the first day was just like kind of a lot of jigging. And, um, the two horses paddocked next to the arena were just like galloping the fence line the entire time. They were excited. And, um, but I was really impressed with, um, her, cause you know, the end of the arena itis, um, we have woods on the end of our arena and that's very scary. So, um, nothing that I can see in there. I don't know what kind of invisible goblins they can see in the woods, but she was seeing them. And, um, when she would, when we would like turn away from the woods, she'd kind of like tuck her butt and, um, like scoot forward, I guess is the appropriate term. Um, but she never like bolted like she used to. Um, and she was just kind of like, Ooh, that's scary. And that was it. And I was like, thank you so mature. Cause she's almost nine. She'll be nine March 18th. Somebody remind me to make a post about it. Cause for the like past four years, I've forgotten to make a birthday post for my horse. Um, that's because Facebook doesn't remind me. That's why. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I, uh, decided after that, cause I got some good walk work in. I was happy with it. I was like, you know what? Let's just go out into the jump field and walk around. We're just going to do a little hack, a little trail ride. Because like some of my goals are to be able to take her on just a like kind, easy trail ride, stress-free. No worries. Um, yep. Might have asked for a little bit too much. Um, should have ended in the arena. Lesson learned. So I, um, I grabbed my camera on like my small, uh, he's a Joby stick tripod. And, um, so I'm like holding it <laughs> in my hand. It's like the size of a baton. Like, and I'm just like walking around the field. We do one lap, 
turn around to go the other way, and she started jigging sideways, and I was like, oh, dear. <laughs> this usually precedes um, some two-legged action. And, um, boy, was I correct. <laughs> um, so she jigged sideways a little bit, and I was like, it's okay, it's fine. I was trying to, like, stay off her face and, you know, just, like, let her do her thing and settle without um, pulling on her. And then she, like, stopped. She was looking at something in the distance, and I was like, oh, my God. I'm on a ticking time bomb. And so I just, um, you know, opened my rein, put my leg on, and asked her to turn. And she did. And then I took my leg off, took my rein off, and just relaxed. Remembering again that I have a tripod in one hand out of nowhere. I don't know what spooked her. If she just, like, had a lot of energy and it exploded. But not one of my aids was on. I don't know what happened, but she went up, and then she spun, and then she went up again, and then she spun the other way and went up again, and I was swearing a lot the whole time, and I was recording, so I watched it, and it was very funny, um, but not in the way that, like, horses reacting badly, hilarious, but in, like, I was afraid, <laughs> and so then she put all four on the floor, and then we were good, and then we walked back to the bar, and that was it, <laughs> so, um, I, it to me it felt like she had bottled everything like all her like ah excitement and um it just kind of exploded out of nowhere um but it wasn't like I was preventing her from going where she wanted or um something like you know I don't know I just I don't think it was out of anger and obviously I could be being anthropomorphic here and uh, also biased and trying to spin my story but it I know what horses feel like when they're irritated with you and when they do not want to be doing what you're asking. But I wasn't asking her for anything when she reared. I had let off and she complied and I told her she was good and then she went up. So I don't know what happened with that. But coming off of that ride, I was very, very discouraged. And I was like, oh God, I was like, this is I, she's not ready. I pushed too hard and I don't know what to do now. This is a disaster. Um, I, like, when are we ever going to be able to ride? I've just completely failed. This sucks. And, uh, so I called my buddy, Kane, who I mentioned earlier, and they were like, dude, it happens. And all you can do is learn from it. Like, and I think that that is just, uh, the, uh, the main reason I wanted to talk about that is because it's such a big thing to equestrians and really anything that you do, you know, if it doesn't go exactly how you'd wanted it. Um, it's really easy to get super, super discouraged. And that's what happened to me. I was like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. And, um, you know, Kane was just like, dude, it's fine. Like you learned that maybe going out into the field wasn't the best idea. Maybe don't ride with a tripod. Um, you know, you learned what areas need work and, um, when to not ask for more. And so, yeah, I mean, that's what I took away from that. So the next ride, um, I did the thing with the bridle that I mentioned. Um, I don't have to use the bareback pad to put the saddle on anymore. She's good with that. Um, hold the bridle open, sticks her nose right in, stands patiently. Sorry, I keep popping my ankle. That's what that sound is. Um, and then um, when we walk out to the arena, she doesn't jig the whole way there. Um, she walks with me. And, um, when we get there, I don't have to hang on to her. She, even if she's like looking around, she's still going to follow me and, um, we'll come up to the mounting block and then she stands while I get on now, which is not something that she ever did before. <laughs> and, um, 
So I, I kind of cheated that one because uh, I put my foot in the stirrup and as I'm going up to sit on her, I click. So then she's like, oh, treat instead of like walk forward. <laughs> so um, I cheated that one. But now she like expects a treat when I get on. So um, it keeps her standing there, which is fine by me. Um, so yeah. And then as far as like, cause I know everybody's very interested in like, isn't it super inconvenient to like click and treat while you're riding? Um, I think at the beginning, yes, probably. But at least for Zoe, like, um, I click and then I grab the treat out of my pocket. I lean down, she turns around, grabs it out of my hand and then keeps walking. Like it, it doesn't really interrupt us at all. So, um, you know, if I'm working on leg yield or doing a circle, it's like maybe a, a, a full second out of what we were already doing, you know? So it's, it, it's really not that much of an inconvenience. And oh, also I meant, um, meant to say one of the other things that I figured out is a higher value reinforcer. Um, so I don't like to use super sugary treats every time I train. So, um, ideally I'll be able to work back down to the alfalfa pellets, but, um, Right now, we're using carrots because um, I'd like her to feel like paying attention to me is worth it. Um, and it also, like, I know that people are like, oh, you're bribing your horse. But there are other benefits um, to using positive reinforcement beyond, you know, making me feel better about how I'm training my horse. Um, so when horses are, are, okay, so basically, when horses are relaxed, they eat. When they're scared, their heads are up and they're very alert. So if you can get a horse to eat when they're afraid they will relax so or distracted or anxious or what have you um so that's the idea behind also wanting her to eat because not only does she focus on me she has positive associations with me being in the saddle um but also it helps her relax and settle into the task and the environment because she's like okay this is a good place i'm getting good things happy everything's good so um there are more benefits beyond just like, mm, I'm trying to be ethical. So, um, and there's nothing wrong with trying to be ethical, obviously. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I just, I've been working a lot on leg yields and dude, it is incredible how much faster <laughs> it is because everybody thinks positive reinforcement makes things go so much slower. Um, granted, Zoe does already know, um, the negative reinforcement cues, but, um, with leg yields, for instance, like I, open my outside rein and sort of like just like tickle my inside rein put my inside leg on you should see what I'm doing right now in my, in my living room um and ask her to step over and if her shoulder gets a little bit ahead then I can like you know micro correct with my outside rein and my outside leg and then use my inside leg to ask her hind end to step over in line and then she'll take a full step over Everything that I just mentioned, I did in successive approximation to now where I have, like, Western trail class moving sideways over a pole. Um, like, it, it was beautiful. <laughs> it went from, like, a really ugly shoulder four to, like, an actual leg yield, like, hind end tracking, crossing over leg yield in, like, I don't know, four or five repetitions um, from just, like, like um, marking the behavior that I wanted by clicking so she knows exactly which step got her the treat. Um, so, or the release, if you write a negative reinforcement. Um, but I don't know. I just, it's, to me, it seems way more efficient. I think that there are pros and cons to both, obviously, because nobody likes to have to stop and give their horse a treat. 
And I haven't worked out how that is practical for, you know, like show jumping a whole course, but we'll get there. Okay. So, um, yeah, maybe one day, um, it'll have such a strong positive association that, um, the act in and of itself is rewarding. And then we can just, um, you know, reward after 12 fences or whatever. So, um, that's the goal anyway. But right now what I'm working on is just walking and, um, seeing how she is with just like working up her strength again and moving laterally and getting really bendy and swingy and flowy and stretched out. That's what I want. And I also want to take her, um, on some trail rides around the farm and maybe off property, you know, just like once we get there, um, just have everything very easy and relaxed and stress-free for her. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, the past couple of rides have just been absolutely brilliant. She's been so good just relaxing on the lead. And it's frustrating at times for me because I'm still trying to figure out how exactly to work it all out. Um, but it, it's going very well for the moment. Um, yeah. So (laughs) I think that about covers how things are going with Zoe. Um, I'm going to grab a drink of water real fast and then I'm going to come back and talk about some other things that are going on. Okay. So I decided the alcohol is better and I'm drinking a truly hard seltzer and I cannot place my finger on what that tastes like, but it is a blueberry and acai. Is that how you pronounce that? I don't know, but it's very tasty. If you're underage, I'm not recommending a drink to you, but I am of age and that is tasty. Anyway. Um, yeah, so where was I? On to the things that have been happening. Um, so we've had some sick ponies out here. We had a uh, rescue mare who's pregnant um, that my boss adopted or rescued from a kill pen. I know kill pens aren't great. She doesn't love it either. Doesn't like supporting them, but <clears throat> wanted to save the mare in full. Um, in my opinion, the mare is not super cute. Not in love with her, but that does not mean her life did not need to be saved. Um, but we have no idea what she's bred to. Could be a mule. Could be an Appaloosa. Could be a thoroughbred. Nobody knows. Likely a mule. <laughs> That's going to come out of it. Um, if I said bred to a mule, I'm sorry, I'm not actually stupid. I meant brain faster. You know, it's a thing. So anyway, so that's been happening. And then um, obviously she's in quarantine. And then had another horse. Not same problem in a completely different uh, stall, like nothing. We've been really diligent about the quarantine. Um, but he got sick flit actually the one that I, um, competed on, uh, last year. He, um, he had like a really high fever and snotty nose coughing. Um, we think it was the flu, I guess. Um, so I had to give him shots and, um, oral paste and stuff. And then, um, Shotzi got sick. I had to give her stuff too. Now Leo too is sick. Yes, we have two Leos, so we call him Leo too. Um, so, oh, got text. Turn my phone on silent. Um, but yeah, so um, I've been giving lots of shots, and I want to tell you guys that um, my boss called me the other day, and she was like, "I need you to go out to the farm because I was like at a lecture um, for my history class, which was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that." Um, I just, I will never find interesting, history, interesting, um, anyway, had to leave that and came out here, she was like, I need you to give Leo 2 a shot of Banamine, 
And um, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I've never given it in the vein unsupervised. I'm stressed. And um, so I did that. <clears throat> and I did it from his, oh, his right side, I guess. And normally you do it in the left side because if you're right-handed, it makes more sense. Um, but I couldn't get it. I couldn't like find his vein on that side because they're freaking furry. It's a problem. Um, but yeah, so I, I got it in and I'm very proud of myself because I have yet to do it unsupervised and I had a small child holding the horse and I was like, she was like, oh, why, why can't you do it? And I was like, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> like, this is difficult and I'm scared. I don't want to kill him. <laughs> and, um, you know, like when you put the needle in the vein, like you pull it back a little bit, the blood comes into the needle and that's how you know it's in the vein. Um, well, the child that was holding it's the daughter of the people that work here she was like oh my god there's blood in it and I was like yes that's exactly what I wanted so proud of myself anyway so that's just a little nerd out pat myself on the back moment I've been taking care of all the ponies and I feel very official um beyond that um what else has been happening um we're bringing ruler into work he um is Zoe's half brother um different mom same dad and uh he's a once my boss signing lots and lots of money at the racetrack um and his ankles were starting to um get a little sore and puffy so she um brought him home uh instead of like you know just running him until he burned out um which is something that I do respect about her though we have differences of opinion on racing um she really is very good about um caring about the horse in that regard in that um you know, bringing them home and letting them rest instead of, um, just like forcing them to keep going or just injecting it and trying to fix the problem. Anyway, he came home. I've been, um, teaching him how to lunge and he's, um, been brilliant at it. Um, we pulled his shoes off finally. He's been here for about a year now. Um, but he's finally ready for his shoes to come off, which is great. And, um, yeah. So then, uh, Maze also is coming back into work. Um, I've been lunging her as well. I'm probably going to get on her in the next couple of days if the weather permits. Um, and she will go up for sale again soon. Um, she's just kind of been hanging out in the pasture because I haven't been riding, which is unfortunate, but I'm sure she enjoyed the time off. So we'll both be getting back into shape together. And, um, yeah, so Flit's out for a little while while he recovers because I think he's good now. He just, um, it's going to be a few weeks. Our vet said for every day that he had a fever, give him a week off. So, like, he's probably going to be off for, like, two or three weeks. Um, so I'll just be working with Ruler and Maze predominantly. Um, I haven't really been working with Juno much. Um, mostly just because I don't want to, so that's where we've been. <laughs> um, but I'm sure I'll start doing that again soon because her halter came off and you cannot catch her. So I need to, need to put a halter on her. <laughs> um, anyway... So there's all of that, and a really exciting thing happened yesterday. It's not set in stone yet, but potentially we are bringing home a five-year-old bay gelding named Enjoy the Journey. Enjoy the Journey, that's his name. Um, His owner was unclear on it, so I'm pretty sure that's his name, his owner. 
might have been a little intoxicated at the time of <laughs> showing us the horse. So he's having a little bit of trouble with the name recall. But uh, me and Sunny were discussing names and um, she said Joy was a girl name and I said Journey was a basic name. So we decided JJ, um, which I think is super cute for him. He, he reminds me a lot of Bubbles. Um, I just hope that he's a better mover than Bubbles was because she was high key, not a good mover. Um, but he seems really, really cute and, um, she's going to make sure that he's like, you know, good to go, but his owner's just kind of trying to unload him because he's not been fantastic as a racehorse, not very fast. And, um, yeah, I think he has like an old, um, oslet on his front ankle, um, that we're just trying to make sure that there are no, um, chips in it because those usually require surgery and we're like, no, thank you. Don't want to pay for that. Um, but I mean, like, it's very rare that you're going to get a horse off the racetrack that doesn't have an oslet or some sort of like small bow or, you know, like a popped chip blue blah blee blah inside their legs. Like, I mean, they're, cause they're all started so young and they, you know, it's a lot of impact on them. So it's rare that you get one off the track that has no blemishes. Zoe has some, um, a splint, that's the word, not a chip. Um, Zoe has uh, a few splints, I think, and they're just cosmetic. It's nothing that's like, oh my god, she's so broken. So, I mean, I'm we're not people that are afraid of a horse that has a bump on its leg if it's just cosmetic. So, um, we're going to make sure that this one isn't, like, causing him any pain so that he can um, maybe become a jumping horse. And uh, we're going to see. But I'm really excited because I thought he was super cute. And the whole time they were talking, I was just playing with him because he seemed very bored and <laughs> he was had all of his hay and everything and he was like I would rather um mess with this human and so we played with each other for a little bit and uh I'm really excited to um hopefully get him here and add him to my list of priorities because um as I believe I mentioned in a previous podcast I am currently a single lady and I just, I don't have any interest in doing the whole boy thing right now. Like the idea of having to text someone all the time or call them or make plans with them is just frustrating. Like I'm taking 18 hours in school and I got all these horses to worry about and my horse and like stuff that I want to do for YouTube and podcasts and stuff. I just like, I have time if I wanted it, but I just, I don't like having to be dependent on another human and like, you know, accommodate to that, I guess. It's just annoying and I don't want to do it. So, um, it is really nice that I've been more able to focus on everything that's going on. Of course, I want my fairy tale romance at some point, but, um, right now it is really nice just to like focus on all the things that I want to do and also not be glued to my phone all the time. Oh my God. When I took my internet hiatus there for a few months, that was one of the nicest things about it was just not even having to check my phone all the time. Like it just, if I wanted to get on it, I would, but I never felt like I had to. And, um, that's kind of what I'm trying to bring back with me as I get more into, um, social media stuff is I never want to be on it and feeling like I have to be on it. Um, so every time that I do, I put it down and go do something else. And, um, it angers some people cause I don't respond, but I just, I, I'm sorry. So sorry. I really just cannot be bothered anymore to be glued to my phone all the time. I'm just not that person. And I was that person for a long time and I hated it. So 
anyway, change your life. Um, anything else that's been going on? I've been working out a lot. Um, I will read you guys my nice little, um, workout thing. Um, me and my homie got on TikTok and looked at all of their, like, um, you know, they have a ton of workouts on TikTok. So I made like a true OCD style list of all of the possible different exercises for each different part of the body. And the one that we've been doing the most is like, um, three sets of 20 reverse crunches. So, um, like you do your legs up and down while you keep your upper body on the ground. And then like one minute straight arm plank, three sets of 20 curtsy squats, three sets of 10 fire hydrants, 15 squats with weight, 15 without, and then three sets of 15 glute bridges. And then like, you know, either, um, like a plank twist or some Russian twists, or I normally just add something else or maybe another minute long plank or something, but I've been doing that. And, um, it is amazing how much better I feel because I hate working out. Like I've been trying not to say that because, you know, perception is reality. If you say it enough, you'll start to believe it. So, um, but like, it's really hard for me to like, want to get up and work out, but I've been getting better about it and I've started looking forward to it and I'm like, oh, I'm going to feel so good after this. I'm going to feel really productive and like I'm getting somewhere. And, um, so yeah, I'm just like getting my strength and stamina back and it just, it feels really good. It feels like everything is like coming back into place. And, um, I don't know. That's just such a weird thing about depression is like, it's just like when you're in it, you just can't do anything. Um, you can try and you can force yourself to, but it's, it just doesn't come as naturally as when you're not, when you're just like, yes, everything all at once. <laughs> like, let's do all the horses, all the podcasts, all the videos, um, all the workouts, everything. Let's go. Balls to the wall. Um, no holds barred. So, but I think that that about concludes all of the things that I've been doing. And I hope that that was semi entertaining or informative or interesting or educative, educate that's the word. That's how that's an adjective. Um, but yeah, I think I'm about done talking and yeah. So if you want to check me out on social media on Instagram, I am jet equithery, J E T E Q U R E Q U I T H E O R Y. That's how you spell that jet equithery and then Jill.trees and then jet real podcast. Um, then you can contact me at jetrealpodcast at gmail.com um, if you want to make a comment about the show or uh, make a suggestion. Suggest what you want me to talk about, please. Um, so, yeah, there's that. And we also got the YouTube channel. It's also Jet Equithery. And I think that that about covers the social media, except for Twitter, Jet Equithery also. So there's all of that. And I'm going to jump off here and probably go take a shower and do homework. So... Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. I hope that you all have a wonderful Monday if you're listening to it when it comes out. And I'm going to go ahead and redact that. Um, a wonderful Tuesday because that's when this comes out. And um, yeah, also, guys, it's Sunday. That's when I'm recording this on a Sunday. What the heck? I'm ahead. It's crazy. Okay. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'm going to call it quits. Be sure to subscribe also. That was a burp. Be sure that you subscribe so this pops up in your little thingamajig. Okay, now I'm done. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye.